Let's open with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we love you. Thank you so much for, for being with us this morning, and we just ask a special blessing on our worship this morning. Pray, Father, that you will uh, bless us as our and hear our, our words, hear our singing, and hear our, our thoughts, and just pray, Father, that you'll forgive us for any shortcomings, and just help us to be encouraged by what we hear today. And we praise you and give you all the glory and honor, for you are a good God. You do amazing things, even just like today, where you give us this wonderful uh, eclipse to remind us of your power and your, your glory. Pray all this in your Son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, let me get that open here. How many of you, have you ever you watched the eclipse or read about it? Oh, man, there's some cool stuff out there right now. We tried to go see it, but it was cloudy. But you can tell the eclipse is here because everything's kind of shady outside. So it's pretty interesting to see. Uh, so uh, let's continue our song. That will come open when it's ready. Angry words, oh let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. May the heart's best impulse ever Check them ere they soil the lips. Then we'll do all three verses. Love is much too pure and holy. Friendship is too sacred far. For a moment's reckless folly, thus to desolate and mar. Angry words are lightly spoken, bitterest thoughts are rashly stirred. Brightest links of life are broken by a single angry word. Love one another, thus saith the Savior. Children, obey the Father's blessed command. Love one another, thus saith the Savior. Children, obey the blessed command. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Where's your two cute kids? They're in school. They are. Oh, I dropped the Rugrats off. Say, I'm sorry, say your name again. Yeah. Janie. Janie, okay. And this is your daughter-in-law, right? No, we're just no. good friends. We're oh, okay, friends okay. All right. So welcome, Janie. And you must be... I'm Mary Frances. Mary Frances, welcome. We're glad you're here, Mary Frances. Good to be with you. I'm glad to see you. All right. Well, that makes, that makes my day. Uh, God, we're going to talk today about guarding the good deposit that was made in you. And this is a lesson of, that I gave yesterday morning, and it talks about, we're going to talk about Timothy. Uh, we're going to keep in that, I'm going to stay in that vein for a few weeks as we talk about school. Um, and it's really good stuff uh, today. And so I want to say welcome to each and every one of you. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Ryan Bittekoffer. I'm here because I love Jesus Christ. And I hope that our time together helps us uh, to love Jesus more. And that way we can just praise him and give him all the glory Feel free to contact me. My email is there. Um, you're welcome to all also go to camelbackchurchofchrist.org, and you're welcome to contact uh, me through be? there. Uh, just down the road, about eight minutes east of here on Camelback. Yeah, well, just straight down Camelback. Camelback. Just down this way. You'll right? see us right before the big curve. Yeah, you can't miss us. Right. 
big white building with a green roof. So, so that would be at what about what street? Fifty six in Camelback. Oh, if you go to fifty six, oh, you're too far. I, yeah. I thought that was in a uh, 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 Adventist church, but I guess I'm wrong. Uh, no, no. Okay. There, there are other, there are two other churches down the road from us, but uh, no. Yeah, we'll be going from here. We would be the first one on the right, and then down the road you would oh, see you the other two that you're talking that would about. Be fine. Thank you. All right. So in your Bibles, if you have them in your app or your lap, or you want to look up here on the wall, here's the scripture that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, down in verse 13 and 14. And the Bible says this, the Bible says, what you've heard from me, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and in love in Christ Jesus. And verse 14 says this, it says, Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That is our base text today that we're going to work on. Because the school day has started. Class is underway. There's homework at the sunset of every single day. And sometimes in the morning before school too, right? There's ball games in gym class, lockers, literature, and lunch, a gaggle of giggling girls and a bunch of boys on the bus. Teachers teach trig, principals pass puns, a math taste on Friday and an art quiz on Monday. There's quizzes and art. The school day has started. The bells have all rung. It's time for some learning till school day is done. So the question that we're going to talk about today is, are we ready? Well, it's the second or third week of school for most kids in Arizona. And, you know, maybe your kid knows their locker combination. They've got the schedule down. Or for here, maybe your grandkids are kind of getting settled into their routine. Maybe we've caught up with old friends, or if we've been on social media, maybe you've been caught up all summer. Uh, maybe there's no such thing as getting behind anymore, right? You just kind of flick through Facebook and see what the, what the wall says. But there's something about starting this new year that as the freshness turns into the routine, there's an eagerness. There's an eagerness on the part of the teacher to teach. There's an eagerness on the part of the students to learn. Because they want to know, and there, there's this curiosity that's inside every student. No matter how much they say they don't like school, there's a curiosity to know how will this year really go? How is this starting out? What's going to be the shape of things? And so, uh, especially if you are the, the, the student, you're looking at the teacher. Which teacher is inspiring or exciting? Which teacher is boring? You know, uh, who are my friends in this particular grade? Because the ones you make now often are the ones that you keep for your, all your grades until you graduate and go to college. So there is this eagerness to learn. But we have to be careful about this because with every teacher, with every school year, there is uh, this, um, this background issue of uh, when the teacher teaches, what they bring to the table depends on what they believe, depends on their point of view, it depends on the agenda they're trying to accomplish. Because every teacher teaches with a particular set of beliefs a particular point of view, no matter the subject, they all have a background. 
And we, we would be wise to be careful because they're going to try and instill a deposit of knowledge and belief in the students about what they feel about the world based on their area of subject, but also based on how they feel about things, what their viewpoint is. And so everyone, uh, there's no such thing as uh, teaching uh, knowledge in a pure vacuum. Everybody comes from a set of beliefs, that how they view that knowledge. And so we have to be careful about, about that because everybody has a point of view and a thinking. And, and for us as Christians, we have to be careful to uphold the Christian worldview. Because if a teacher's teaching from other than that worldview, we need to be willing to stand up for Christ and let people know, well, that's how what we believe. We have a little bit different view about how things go, and it doesn't mean we have to fight about it, but it does mean we have to think about how we uphold the Christian worldview and not let people trample down on that. Because Timothy is our example case, and he was entrusted with the teachings of Paul, and, he was, and, and Paul was entrusted with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so as he is passing these teachings on to, to a young Timothy, the expectation is that Timothy would pass them on to the people he's teaching, who would pass them down through the ages so you and I could open our text and be able to read and understand Scripture just as he would have had learned it from Paul, who would have learned it from Jesus. And so Paul's agenda was very simple. He states his agenda. He wants to teach the gospel message and certainly he'd like to baptize if he could, though he didn't necessarily feel he had to do every single baptism. But he also wanted to edify and strengthen the churches that he would visit, the ones that he'd established. Because he wanted to teach and preach, yet when Timothy was being sent to Ephesus, which is where his main work would be for his life, Paul knew that he would be facing people that had different worldviews people that were going backwards towards the old uh, temple worship and, and maybe some of the old Jewish practices, or the pagan gods. Ephesus was a famous place for pagan gods. And so he wanted to entrust him with a message because Paul had established a church there, but that church had a problem of differing agendas. If you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, the church was getting lost in discussions about genealogies and myths and uh, just things that were false teachings that were distracting from the primary purpose of the church. Anything that draws away from the main pur- purpose of preaching the gospel and edifying the saved and taking care of the needs so the church is stable and established, that's really kind of a distraction from what really needs to be taking place. Even things that aren't necessarily sinful, just things that aren't helpful, right? You can be doing the good, but it's not necessarily the better or the best. And so there are even things that maybe could be considered okay, that are, but aren't necessarily the best. It's being wrapped up in the lesser rather than the good of the Christian life. And so you see this in Scripture. Let me put it this way. You can go back in your, to your school year days, right, in your mind. And I'll bet you remember at least one teacher who really just, they inspired you. They had a way that they could connect They had something about the way they taught that they could really just, you could just latch on to that person. They could have told you that the moon was made out of Swiss cheese and you would have believed them. There's just something about that connection, that inspiration. And we can go back and name that teacher. Well, in Timothy's case, I I think he would have said Paul. I think he would have said Paul. 
Uh, and, and, and I think that when you think about this and you look at the book of Second Timothy and you read that first chapter, you see a passion that Paul has for this young man, Timothy, this relationship that they had. And I think Timothy reciprocated that. I think when that inspiration comes and we have that spark, that really that energizing relationship, I think there's something about that two-way connection. I can go back in my past and I can think of professors that I had in college that I still respect even to this day. And so Timothy was told to keep preaching this unadulterated gospel. Don't give in to the peer pressure from the Ephesian church and take and let it take away from your primary purpose of teaching and preaching the gospel and edifying the saved. You do your job. And brethren, when I think about this, it makes me think of Galatians 3.28. Because when you imagine lesser things, there are some things that actually really are evil. And when you imagine something like what happened in Charlottesville that was heinous and unthinkable, when you think of bigotry and racism and all the division that happens, I kind of go back to, if you're a Christian, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Personhood is equal now. Personhood is, is left to, you're either a saved sinner or an unsaved sinner. You're, you're, you're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. There's not really an in-between there. But there's also not a, uh, a heritage or a genealogy that we go back to and we start to pick through that. Jesus came to do away with all of those barriers. The only barrier is, are you saved? Do you, are you wearing the blood of Christ? Have you been baptized? Do you know that you stand in a right relationship with Christ? Because we have to be careful. I believe that there was wrong on both sides of that. And I, it stokes my fire just as it would anybody else. But you know why it would stoke my fire or your fire? Because we see hatred and disunity. We don't see the love of Christ. And the best example that we could be is to show our example of unity, our example of love, our example of a church that fellowships in the peace that comes by Jesus' shed blood on the cross. That, to me, is what it means to be one in Christ Jesus. That's a good agenda. Not an agenda of hatred or an agenda of disunity. Because C.S. Lewis said it best. In the problem of pain, C.S. Lewis said, For you will certainly carry out God's purpose, however you act. But it makes a difference to you, and of course to your salvation, whether you serve like Judas or like John. Now you think about this in history. You know this from the biblical story, that Judas sold Jesus for, uh, for the price of a slave. Judas probably had some problems we could speculate, but if you were to ask yourself deep down inside, who was Judas's spark? What was his inspiration? Well, we know it was Satan. Remember when they're sitting at the table, right? Satan filled his heart, and all of a sudden he's off doing what he did to cost Jesus's life. And that's really different when you compare that life with John. This is John. This is just an artist's description of him sitting on the Isle of Patmos, penning the book of Revelation. John was a disciple. Remember, he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved in the book of John. And, and here he's, he was there at the crucifixion, right? Woman, behold thy, 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 uh, thy son. And at that point, this disciple took him home and took care of his mother for the rest of, of her life. Um, this is a man that was devoted to Jesus Christ. So who was John the Apostle's spark? It was Jesus. We know that. Judas had a terrible ending because of who he was inspired by. 
John had a, a blessed ending. I think everybody would want a nice, um, uh, ripe old age, a blessing of life, knowing that their next step is to be with the Lord forever. Because it matters who we seek our approval from. It matters who we seek our approval from. Think about this. Afterwards, Judas did regret what he did, didn't he? But by then, it was too late. By then, even throwing the money back, it was too late. Judas had already cost Jesus his life. It's already too late when we're taking the walk of shame. It's already too late after the fact. We need to think before that fact because it matters who we're inspired by. It matters who we're inspired by because consciously or subconsciously, we will seek to fulfill the agenda of those which we are inspired by. And in fact, um, I believe for Paul, Timothy was, Paul was Timothy's inspiration, and he wanted to seek out to teach and preach because that's whom he wanted to please. And we want to find approval. We want to please. Ultimately, we want to please God, but in practical terms, we look for that person that inspired us, and it depends on who that is. So look in ver- if you're in your Bibles, look in verse 2. You'll notice that uh, Paul called Timothy in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy his son, his son in the faith. Paul longed to see Timothy, and he recalled when he, uh, Timothy had, he had to leave Timothy in Macedonia, the tears that Timothy shed, and I'm sure Paul shed tears. That's the closeness of their relationship. Paul reminds him of his roots, of where he had learned the gospel from, from his mother and grandmother, and certainly from Paul furthering his teaching. And then he gets down to the core. He says, Timothy, um, here is your passion. Rekindle your passion for teaching and preaching. Don't be shy. Don't have a spirit of timidity because we aren't given a spirit of timidity, but one of love and of power so that we can teach and of discipline to teach and preach that message. Those are good qualities anybody could emulate, but Paul wants to inspire Timothy to emulate those qualities and not be ashamed of being a Christian in front of people that are, are going to oppose that. Don't be ashamed of me, Timothy. Remember, 2 Timothy was written while Paul was in chains. He was in Rome under house arrest. And imagine, imagine the wonderful beauty of, of Timothy being sparked with inspiration based on the fact that Paul uh, would, would, would write to him and encourage and strengthen him. And notice in verses 9 and 10 that he says, you know, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ that came to us and inspired us at the appearing of Jesus. Talking about the life that Jesus lived, the death that he gave, the blessed resurrection that gave hope to all who would put their faith in him. Be strengthened, young Timothy. So who inspired Timothy? It's obvious. It was Paul. Do you see that? Do you see where I'm going with that? It's really neat stuff. Because we're all inspired by somebody and will guard whatever was deposited in our heart. We'll either guard it or we'll hate it. Notice what you see here in Scripture. Young Timothy in verse 13. This is the verse that we read earlier. So, young Timothy, I'm inspiring you to retain that standard of sound words which you heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, Guard that good deposit through the Holy Spirit, the treasure that was entrusted to you. Guard the truth, young Timothy. Don't let anyone take it away or pervert it. Stand up for what you believe in. Guard with the Holy Spirit. Well, when you're baptized, you're marked with the Holy Spirit. It's it's the indwelling. I see. So certainly that would be part of that. uh, What you receive when you're baptized is forgiveness of sins and the gift of the indwelling. So what was Timothy guarding by that Spirit? 
He was guarding the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection tell people that their sins keep them from that relationship, but by the blood of Christ, you can have all of those sins washed away. That, to me, is a powerful message. When you read the Greek there, the Greek there is philoso. It means to protect from harm. Put the fence up, Timothy. Set out the guard dogs, Timothy. Guard this message. Don't let false teachers detract from this message. Don't let them add to it. Don't let them take away from it. Don't let them mask it. You stand up and believe and teach what you know we believe. So our example is powerful. Think about the example that we have when we stand up for the gospel. Imagine the circle of people that are close to you and what you could do, the power you have to not only be a good example in, in just your presence, but in your words and your thoughts and your actions. Those are powerful things that we share. Timothy, protect the good deposit made in you and make that deposit in other people. Then think about this. Paul told the Philippian church to fix their thoughts on that which was true and honorable and pure and right and lovely. If there is anything, think on these excellent things. Keep putting into practice, O Philippians, the good things. Paul said it in Philippians 4, 8, 9. All you learned from me and all you received from me. So where did the impression for the Philippian church come from? It came from Paul. And it came from that teaching. We, you know, you want to lock down somebody in a, in a scriptural um, study, that's the way you keep them. Because y'all feel where I'm going with this? If we study the Bible, if we're a Christian and we're baptized, that means that we've heard the word, Romans 10, 17. That means we believe the word, Hebrews 11, 6. That means we repented of our sins. There's many passages like Luke 13, 33. And Acts 3.19, that means that we confess Jesus as Lord. That's Acts 8.37. That means we repented of our sins and been baptized. Acts 2.38, that was the command of Peter. And 3,000 were added that day. And now, from now on, from the time you're baptized until your time is up on this earth, guard that precious deposit in you and deposit that message in someone else so that they can know the saving power of Jesus. Do all the goods you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all the times you can, to the people you can, as long as ever you can. Powerful, powerful stuff. Because why do people fall away from the Lord? The answer is really simple. And we don't like to hear it, but it's really the right answer. Because someone did not deposit the gospel message in their heart. That is the primary reason. It is, it is God's love. Remember, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians, it's Christ's love that compels us. When we have that good deposit in us and we recognize the love that Jesus gave to us on the cross, we'll want to share that deposit with other people. A Christian is related to other Christians by what? By the blood of Christ. We could just get past our pettiness, our nitpicking, our self-centeredness, our distracted state, all of our worries, all of our fears, to just stand up and sit, tell somebody, you would see peace and unity take over this land like you've never seen it before. That's why people fall, because there's no deposit in them. Or what was deposited is not good. Because think about this. Can you remember when the bell rang? You go to your locker... You put your books down from the previous class and you pick up the next set of books. 
and you're getting excited because you're going to see that teacher, that one, the one that you really connected with, the one that inspired you, the one that gave you that passionate spark to study what you've studied, to do what you do, the one that made that good deposit in your heart. For the Christian, when, it's when we met Jesus Christ and he deposited his love in us and we're marked with that spirit that keeps that lives in our hearts. So James would give us a challenge. If I were to wrap this up, I would say, in James 3.13, the Bible says, well, if you are wise and understand God's ways, then prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. James 3.13. So when, I, when it comes down to it, when we think about the culture wars that are going on right now, we need to be gentle with the things that we don't understand in this culture, and there's certainly things I don't get. I don't get why two groups could have that much hatred and have that much fighting. You know, we can have disagreements, but we need to do it peacefully. I believe that Jesus Christ is right, and I'll teach and preach about him until I die. And if somebody wants to disagree with that, then you, then you go ahead and disagree with that. I genuinely believe that's the wrong answer, but you know what? We can disagree and not be argumentative or violent about it. You know, in a few years, when we think about unraveling the consequences of this culture war, we're going to go back to some of the base things. Some of those basic things like um, poverty and trauma and the lack of parents in the home and, and all kinds of disorders that have come from all that. And we're going to think about this and we're going to wish that we were more forgiving that we were more kind, that we promoted more peace. Because brokenness begets brokenness, judging gets you nowhere, but farther away, and we as Christians are commanded to love and forgive. Believe me, that's tough, but Jesus said what? He said, turn the other cheek. He didn't say strike the other one's cheek. And I would add this. I would say that we're called to guard the gospel, to love people, and to share the gospel's power to heal, whether it's by obedience or repentance, whether you know what you need to do and you haven't done it yet, or you have something in the way that you need to clear out so you're right with God. Please, don't hesitate. Um, you can call me anytime. You can come to Camelback and be baptized if you'll but be willing to submit to that obedience. So please, um, don't hesitate to do the right thing. I think um, God wants us all to take the good deposit of the gospel in us, and share it with others, and edify the world, and encourage the others to do the same. I believe we'd have way more peace if we did that, and way more unity if we did that.